chance for any reason to go down in the basement, the small fellowship hall is flooded. So with the, the heavy rain we had last night, there's about an inch of water on that side of the, the, the uh, small fellowship. So uh, Noah's down there now. I think maybe Paulie's helping him uh, try and suck that up. So, uh, but if you go down, just be very careful that you don't slip. This happened before, but I didn't think it was going to come up with that rain last night, but it did. So anyhow, sharing joys and concerns. Let's uh, let's take a look at our joys and concerns. We have to keep Pastor Sandy and Karen in our prayers. They uh, are heading home from annual conference, and uh, we still need our prayer for travel. So, do, Christine, do you have any updates that you need to give us? Updates are done? All right. Okay. lives um, 17 miles from that earthquake. They had a lot, a lot, a lot of destruction within the house, but um, they are safe. The house is safe. Um, two major quakes in yeah. that area. It's called Trona. It's where she has lived for 50 years. Um, so that all of California needs our prayers for more than just the quake. Jim Dobb aren't with us today. She came over before we came to church and said that she had Jim in the ER through the night sometime and uh, severe pain in his knee, which he was complaining all day yesterday. So um, I guess he's going to need knee replacement. So he's yeah. home now. But yeah. maybe. Yeah. That's getting quicker. Anyone else? Karen. I'd like to give an update on my grandson, Waylon. Um, he goes to therapy once a week for the issue with his um, skull and hip being misshaped. And now he also qualified that someone comes to the house once a week. So he's getting therapy twice a week. Um, happiest little guy, you never know unless you see his misshaped head that there's something wrong. Um, the therapist that comes to the house, we have known for years, so um, she, I, not that I wouldn't trust anyone else, but it, it makes me feel good that I know her and she 
told our daughter-in-law that she she should push to have some more tests done because of the way his head is shaped in the back. So um, I know he went to therapy just this past Friday with at Hershey, so I don't know if uh, anything was scheduled to have some more tests done or not, but just keep praying for him. Thanks. <laughs> well, we both have a praise, just Karen doesn't know. Um, <laughs> we went to see our sister in Michigan, and we were lucky enough to have four of the five of us together um, with her, because Clady went too, so we were only missing one sibling. Um, we had a wonderful time and a safe trip there and back, so that's our praise. That is a good praise. Yeah, you try that. Just, uh, just 
prayers for prayer and, and healing upon people who are going through therapy and, and uh, various problems with, with oh my, so many different ailments, so many different things, uh, cancers. It's just an ongoing process, ongoing concerns, and only you can help us with that. You empower physicians and, and research people. Let them come forward with help for various individuals. So, Laura, here we are. We come to more than halfway through this year, and uh, we continue to put our trust in you as it should be. As we go forward, as days progress, we have to put more and more faith in you. Our faith is so small. Help us to gain greater faith. Help us to reach out to you no matter what situations we have. Comfort people who are suffering, Lord. We pray for people who are not here but need your, your touch. And we thank you for joys. We thank you for family. We thank you for safe trips. We thank you for friendships. And also we pray, Lord, for other congregations. We pray for Springfield Church of the Brethren. Bless that congregation, Lord, the congregation that I am not aware of. I'm not, not up on that. But let them be the shining light on the hill. Let their light go forward so the people will turn to you. Thank you, Lord, for their witness. Thank you for their, their leadership. Give them strength. Give them all the necessary things that they need to you. Thank you. We pray for a safe trip for Sandy and Karen as they return. We also pray for safe passage for other individuals in our congregation that are on vacation and visiting friends and relatives. So much to pray for, Lord. Help us to be thankful. <laughs> we came outside and he was scared. He really was. He didn't like how loud it was just because they were so close. Yeah. Well, let's pray here before we start. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thank you for the sunshine. 
the opportunity to be here, to gather with one another. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here into this place. We look forward to meeting with you, to learning what you have to, to say to us today. And we ask for your blessing on our lives. And We thank you you all for what you've done for us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're continuing through John. John chapter 4. We finished up with the woman at the well. Jesus speaking to his disciples, saying that the food that he has is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. And so now we're moving down to... John 4, verse 46, and the whole way to verse 54. And the title here, probably in a lot of your, uh, in many of your Bibles, Jesus Heals an Official's Son. So I'm going to read this whole passage quickly, and then we're going to go back through and take a look at it. So beginning on verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovered. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. So this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. And so the idea passage of scripture that we're looking at today is this. The official believed and exercised saving faith in the words of Jesus Christ. And as a result, his son was healed from a physical sickness. And so the sermon idea, what I want to leave you with today is that we are saved from the eternal sickness of sin by believing and exercising a saving faith in the words of Jesus Christ. And so the first emphasis I want to make today from verses 46 and 47 is that saving faith begins by seeking Jesus. And so Jesus and his disciples were continuing to move north through Samaria, arriving at Galilee. And as he came to Galilee, the people were very excited to see him. Many of the Galileans probably saw the things that Jesus had just done in Jerusalem at the Passover. John says that in chapter, excuse me, John says in chapter 2, verse 23, that many people believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing during the Passover feast. But notice the subtle cause of their belief. Many people believed when they saw signs. In other words, many people believed simply because they saw signs. Now, even though in the ancient world they did not have the communication, the latest advancements in communication that we have today, the news about Jesus was spreading. Now, there was an official in Capernaum whose son was very sick. The word that John uses here is basilikos. 
Jesus often speaks about the Asaleya to Umanu, the kingdom of heaven. So this word basilikos has this idea of a kingdom, uh, royalty, regality. And so we translate it as an official. And, you know, again, that idea of royalty, whether it be by family line or by employment, leads most scholars and historians to see that, to, excuse me, to assume that the man from Capernaum was somehow related to Herod the Great. And you might recall that Herod was the Tetrarch of Galilee, and you know, a Tetrarch is, is really similar to a governor of a state, much like we would think today of the governor of Pennsylvania. It means that this man was probably very well connected. He probably had um, a lot of resources at his disposal. And it's possible that his son may have already been treated by the best doctors and had received the best medicines that were available at that time. And when this man heard that Jesus came from Judea to Galilee, he went out from Capernaum to see Jesus, which was roughly 20 miles. And he begged him to come down to Capernaum in order to heal his son. Excuse me, he went to Canaan. Did I say Canaan? He went from Capernaum to Canaan. He was in a desperate situation. I think many of us can probably relate to what a desperate situation feels like. His son was sick. And perhaps he had the means necessary to buy medicines, but nothing had worked. And he may have been aware that Jesus had turned water into wine at a wedding in Canaan. He may have even been at that wedding. He knew that Jesus could miracles. He went to see Jesus because he knew about the wonderful signs that Jesus had performed in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. He may have even seen Jesus at the, at the Passover feast in Jerusalem. He was aware of the incredible things that Jesus was doing and was capable of. Otherwise, he would not have even gone to see Jesus. Notice that there are two actions that are taking place in this verse. First, the official went out to meet Jesus. Secondly, he begged Jesus to come down to Capernaum so that Jesus might heal his son. And the, the tense of the verb, to beg, which John uses in this passage, suggests that the action began and continued for some time. And he begged Jesus for an extended period of time the issue before us seems to be whether or not the official was going to trustingly believe and exercise faith in the person of Jesus Christ, taking him at his word, or was he going to trustingly believe in Jesus only after his son was healed? In other words, was he going to say, if you do this, then I will believe in you? Faith with a requirement. Lord, if you will heal my son, then I will believe in you. Lord, if you help me through this difficult and dangerous situation, then I will believe in you. If you will answer my prayer, do this thing that I am asking for, do this miracle for me, then I will believe in you. Examples of these requirements of faith are pretty easy to multiply. Perhaps even some of us have 
such ways in the past. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking against miracles. Nor am I saying that we should not ask for miracles. I believe in miracles. Miracles do lead to faith, but faith that is solely based on miracles cannot be a saving faith. And Jesus reminds us of this fact in verse 48. So we ask the question, why? Why is faith that is solely based on miracles not true faith? Because faith based solely on miracles fails to honor God. Faith that says, Lord, if you will heal my mother or my father, my spouse or my child, then I will believe in you, is not the faith that Jesus is seeking from his followers. When we base our faith solely on miraculous requests being honored, then we make God to be our servant. Instead of honoring God as the supreme creator, the one who can perform miracles, we make him out to be like a genie in a bottle. And the official son was sick, and so he went out to see Jesus, and he begged Jesus to go back with him to Capernaum in order to heal his son. He wanted a miracle, and who could blame him? He wanted what any good parent would want for her child. Jesus wanted the official to know that saving faith begins by seeking him, not miracles or signs and wonders. And recall that just a short time before this scene took place, we read about this, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. Saving faith begins by seeking Jesus, not miracles or signs and wonders. And so as we move forward in John's gospel, we begin to get a better sense of the faith that Nicodemus had. Now in terms of this official from Capernaum, Jesus wants to know what was he going to place his faith in? Was he going to trust Jesus because he saw a miracle, a sign, and a wonder? Or was he going to trust Jesus for the very words that Jesus spoke? Was he going to say, Lord, if you heal my son, then I will worship you? Or was he going to say, Lord, my son is near death, and I know that you have the power to save him, but even if you do not save him, I will still trust in you, believe you, for who you are, and for your promises of eternal life. Saving faith begins by seeking Jesus. As we move to verse 48, the second idea for today is that Jesus is the object of saving faith. After the official begged Jesus to come and heal his son, Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Notice that Jesus responds by using the second person plural that may be a footnote in your, uh, in your Bibles. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. So it seems likely that there's a crowd that could hear what this man was requesting. Jesus, being a master teacher, did not waste an opportunity to teach. Perhaps you've read this story before and thought, wow, that seems like a harsh response to someone in distress. 
But Jesus also seems to be challenging the man with his words. Remember, throughout Jesus' ministry, people were seeking signs and wonders. People who insisted on signs and wonders in order to believe Jesus. These people were coming to him. The point is that Jesus is challenging the official and those people around that official to evaluate what they are placing their faith in. What are we placing our faith in? Are we trusting Jesus on Sunday morning going to meet and trusting our finances during the week? Are we trusting in Jesus on Sunday mornings going to read and trust in our Trusting in Jesus on Sunday mornings only to leave and trust in our wisdom during the week. Money can be taken away in an instant, as many people found out in 2008. Health can evaporate with one bad diagnosis from the doctor. And we like to think we're smart, but where has mankind's wisdom gotten us? Wars, genocide, and abortion, and the list continues on and on. And Jesus, the Messiah, is the object. Saving faith trusts in the words of Jesus. Mark 2 speaks of an event that took place in Capernaum early on in Jesus' ministry. That official was from Capernaum. Mark tells us that as Jesus was talking to people in a home, the home was packed full so that no one could enter the home. No one could even get close to the home because people were crowding around the outside of the home. Four men carried a paralyzed man on a mat, and they lowered him down through the roof. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And so some of the scribes and the teachers of the law, they're upset about this. And Jesus said to them, Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? So that you people may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all. The meaning of the miraculous healing of that paralyzed man was to point to Jesus as being the only one who can heal us from our sickness and sin. A saving faith is not solely based on a miraculous healing. Rather, the true object of a saving faith is Jesus Christ. God's message is not miracles, but that the shed blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse humble sinners. And when miracles are emphasized, Jesus is mentioned. Saving faith begins by seeking Jesus, because Jesus is the only object of a saving faith. Peter said in the book of Acts, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We read a few weeks ago, for this is how gave his only son in order that the ones believing in him would not die rather they are having eternal life. And so the last idea for today verses 49 through 50 saving faith trustingly believes the words of Jesus. 
the official said to Jesus, Lord, come down before my son dies. This is after Jesus said, you people will never believe unless you see signs and wonders. The official didn't argue with him. He responded, said, Lord, come down before my son dies. And Jesus said, the only way to is through son and wonder. The man believed the word which Jesus said to him and won his life. Notice that verb. The man This here is the evidence of that man's genuine faith. He didn't say, but sir, you need to say those words in the presence of my son. Or, sir, you need to come and touch his head. No. Because of his faith in the words of Jesus, he went on his way home, trusting and believing that his son would live. Belief is a major theme so far in John's Gospel. Excuse me. This is just what we have covered so far this year. Chapter 1, verse 12. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Chapter 3, verse 15. Whoever believes in him has eternal life. Chapter 3, verse 16. The ones believing in him would not die, rather they are having eternal life. Chapter 3, verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not Chapter 3, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Chapter 3, verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed. Chapter 3, verse 41, many more believed because of his word. Chapter 4, verse 50, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way home. Aside from John's gospel, belief in the words of God are the hallmarks of true faith. Genesis 12 and 15 speak of the promise to Abraham. And Abram believed the Lord, and he counted to him as righteousness. The Lord our God also warns us of the dangers of not believing his word through the prophet Jeremiah. And so I want to read from chapter 7 of Jeremiah. Verses, two paragraphs actually, so I want to read these to you. Beginning in verse 8, the Lord is speaking to the people of Judah. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered? only to go on doing all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, the Lord. Go now to the place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen. And when I called you, you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name, and in which you trust, and to the place that I gave to you and to your fathers, as I did to the place.
as a child. And I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Abraham. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as you burn offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, this is the Israelites, for in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this command I gave to them, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. But they did not obey inclined their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backwards and not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants and prophets to them day after day. But they did not listen or inclined their ear or stiffened their neck to do worse than their fathers. People of Israel rejected God's service and his prophets. They did not accept the words that the Lord had spoken through them. And Jesus experienced much of the same. The people wanted to see signs rather than trust in his word. What's the point of this passage in James' gospel? Saving faith begins by seeking Jesus because Jesus is the only object of saving. Saving faith trustingly believes the words of Jesus. As I've said before, it has always been about Jesus. It is still about Jesus, and it will always be about Jesus. The son of that official was gravely ill. He was near the point of physical death. Jesus spoke, and that man's son was healed. It serves as a reminder of the spiritual reality in each of our lives. Our spiritual condition is not that we are gravely ill, being near the point of death. Rather, the illness of our sin has rendered us dead spiritually. We need a miracle. We need the miracle of spiritual rebirth, a rebirth from above. Jesus performed miracles during his earthly ministry, and the Holy Spirit of God is still performing miracles today. But those miracles are intended to point to a greater reality. And that reality is this. Jesus Christ alone has the power to save us from our sins. He alone is the worthy sacrifice that can atone for our sins. He alone has the authority to forgive our sins and grant us new spiritual life. John says he existed in the beginning. He existed in the beginning beside God, and he shared in all the fullness of God the Father from eternity past. And he came into the world to share the light of his salvation, to give us new spiritual life. He became like us, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, so that we might live. And Jesus asks us to trust him, to trust him through the greatest struggle of this life. Jesus spoke about death while he was dying on the cross. He said, 
it's uh, 